I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. As we continue our chronological reading of the Gospels, we are down to the false, the illegal trials against Jesus just prior to his crucifixion. So we'll be looking at passages in Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John chapter 18. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. So here's where we are. We've looked in our last reading at the first three of six in a series of illegal trials during the night just before the crucifixion of Jesus. These trials take place in Jerusalem throughout the night on Nisan 14, which is the Passover day. Now, if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, I've provided a chart there that shows you all the details about these six illegal trials. But with our reading today, we begin with trial number four, taking Jesus to Pilate. Here we're reading Matthew chapter 27, verse 2, Mark chapter 15, verse 1, Luke chapter 23, verse 1, and John chapter 18, verse 28. First, Matthew 27, 2. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Mark 15, verse 1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Now Luke 23, verse 1. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And finally, John 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. You know, one might get the impression that all of Jerusalem had turned out at this point to accuse Jesus from, well, the wording in Luke chapter 23, verse 1, which says, Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. However, we notice from Matthew and Mark accounts that the of them there was just the Jewish leaders and their loyal followers. Keep in mind, this appearance before Pilate takes place just after dawn, 6.30 a.m. or so. Jesus has already made three appearances for judgment through the night. These Jewish leaders knew they had a lot to do under the cover of night before the Jewish populace would begin their day. Most Jews would have been completely unaware of the sinister acts of their leaders at this very early hour. John mentions something that the other three gospel writers don't. That's the Passover observance plans of some of the Jewish leaders that prevented them from entering the judgment hall. That's where Pilate was passing judgment on Jesus. Didn't Jesus and his disciples already observe the Passover the night before? Well, it would appear that there was a difference of practice regarding the proper day to celebrate the Passover supper as early as the first century. Was it on Nisan 14 or Nisan 15? Today, Jews celebrate Passover on Nisan 15, even though Leviticus chapter 23, verse 5 says, On the 14th day of the first month, which is Nisan, at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Now, I've written an article entitled, What is the Correct Day to Observe the Passover? And you can go to the topic section of BibleTrack.org and read that article. Matthew 
puts a few words in here about Judas that the other gospel writers don't, beginning in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and elder, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Only Matthew, by the way, deals with the remorse of Judas and his resulting demise. The word translated repented in the King James Version in verse 3 is not the usual word for repent. The word here is metamelami. It's used only five times in the New Testament. It holds the connotation of remorse or regret. The New King James Version translates it as remorseful. The common words for repent, which is metanoeo, the verb, and repentance or metanoia, those words are used 58 times in the New Testament, and they mean change of mind or attitude. So Judas regretted having done what he did. However, this remorse didn't constitute salvation. Let's recall the words of Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 70 regarding Judas. Here's what he said. Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you as a devil? Judas was remorseful that he had committed a tactical error, as we see in verse 3, when it says, seeing that he had been condemned. Well, that wouldn't be the last miscalculation an emissary of Satan would make. And then we read about Jesus' appearance before Pilate. We'll be reading Matthew 27, verses 11 through 14, Mark chapter 15, verses 2 through 5, Luke chapter 23, verses 2 through 5, and John chapter 18, verses 29 through 38. First, Matthew 27, 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now Mark's account is in Mark chapter 15, verse 2. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now Luke's account is in Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. Now, John has the most detail, beginning in John chapter 18, verse 29. 
Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Well, Pilate wants no part of this. He suggested they take him back and give him a Jewish trial. Not good enough. Look at John chapter 18, verse 31. It says, Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Interestingly enough, if the Jews had executed Jesus, it would have been done illegally by stoning. However, Roman execution is done on a cross. Look at John chapter 18, verse 32. It says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Jesus had already prophesied back in John chapter 3, verse 14, and again in John chapter 12, verses 31 through 33, that he, Jesus, would die on a cross which is really an impossible scenario had the Jews succeeded on those occasions when they sought to kill him. The charge vocalized by the Jewish leadership to Pilate is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 2, when it says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. While the first two points of the accusation were not true, Obviously, the three-point charge is designed to make Jesus a Roman security threat. And that was stated simply to prevent Pilate from dismissing Jesus. John records more of the actual conversation between Jesus and Pilate than do the other three writers. John notes that Jesus established that he has not come to set himself up as a king over a physical kingdom with an army. That comes, by the way, later in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. Jesus' reasons that were those his intentions, he would have defended himself from being taken back in the garden with his own army. Pilate is convinced that Jesus is not guilty of a conspiracy to overthrow the Roman government as the Jewish leaders claim. Therefore, Pilate finds Jesus innocent of wrongdoing. But prophecy is prophecy. Jesus, he must die on the cross. Another motivation for these wicked Jewish leaders here is plausible deniability in the eyes of the common Jewish folks, those people who had embraced the ministry of Jesus. You'll recall that the point of Judas' betrayal was to capture Jesus in private, not while he was teaching during the day among the people that just loved to hear him teach and believed that he was the Messiah. That was Judas' deal with the Jewish leaders. 
They wanted a private capture, and that's exactly what Judas provided them. All the Jewish trials were done during the night while the Jewish people slept. Obviously, the reasoning of the Jewish leaders involved the people waking up on Passover day and seeing Jesus being crucified by Romans, not by Jews. One can safely recognize that those bad old Romans were to be the culprits in this situation. Most people would just never realize that their own Jewish leaders had orchestrated this whole ordeal. We find trial number 5 recorded by Luke in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 16. This is as Jesus appears before Herod, only recorded by Luke. Verse 6, When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man was a Galilean. As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Then Pilate, when he called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Well, in the chronology here, Pilate discovers that Jesus is from Galilee and sees a possible opportunity to pass this problem off to Herod Antipas, who was the governor of that region and happens to be in Jerusalem at this time, apparently for the Passover feast. Only Luke records this incident. Well, it doesn't work, however. Herod and his ragtag crew simply mock and torment Jesus before they send him back to Pilate. Luke then records that Pilate explains to the Jewish leadership that neither he nor Herod could find a capital offense regarding Jesus. We saw in Luke chapter 23 verses 2 through 5 earlier that the Jewish leaders were just trying to present Jesus to Pilate as a threat to Caesar's authority. However, their presentation obviously here failed. At this point, it's Pilate's thinking that he should chastise Jesus and then just release him. Incidentally, notice that Herod arrayed Jesus in a gorgeous robe. That was before sending him back to Pilate. Later, the Roman soldiers stripped this robe from Jesus and clothed him with a purple scarlet robe. And that's recorded in Matthew 27, 28, Mark 15, 17, and John chapter 19, verse 2, which we'll read in a few moments. And then finally, we have the last trial, trial number six. And it's remarkable that they would want a murderer released instead of Jesus. Matthew 27, verses 15 through 26. Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 15. Luke 23, verses 17 to 25. And John chapter 18, beginning with verse 39, down through chapter 19, verse 1. First, Matthew 27, beginning with verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, 
Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when they had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now Mark's record of this aspect of these trials is found beginning in Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Now at the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Luke records it in Luke chapter 23, verse 17. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city, and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priest prevailed, so Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And finally, John, he just records three verses on this incident in John 18, beginning with verse 39. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And then down into chapter 19, verse 1, we read the continuation. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Well, keep in mind, this crowd had been transported from the Sanhedrin to Pilate's premises. As a matter of fact, 
Matthew tells us in verse 18 that Pilate is aware that the real issue here is envy on the part of these Jewish leaders. However, when given the choice between the release of Jesus or the murderer Barabbas, Pilate's certain that they'll call for the release of Jesus over a murderer. Well, you're wrong there. There is no morality with these Jewish leaders. Barabbas only threatens their lives, not their livelihoods, like Jesus does. Only Matthew records that Pilate's wife weighs in on this controversy. She's had a dream, and she says, Pilate, just step away. Hmm. My wife or these angry Jews, to whom do I listen? That's when Pilate does the infamous hand-washing thing. Influenced by the polls, he fails to act on his own moral conscience and his wife's dream. As he washes his hands, look at what he says in verse 24. It says, When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. However, pay careful attention to the reply made by these Jewish leaders in verse 25. Here's what it says. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Matthew, Mark, and John then record that Jesus was scourged. Then we come to our next section of Scripture where we see that Isaiah said there'd be a day like this. We're reading Matthew 27, verses 27 through 30, Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 19, and John chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. First, Matthew 27, beginning with verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Mark records it like this in Mark chapter 15, verse 16. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And then we come over to John chapter 19, beginning in verse 2. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Now Matthew, Mark, and John record that these Roman soldiers mocked, spit, and smote Jesus after replacing his robe, the one that Herod had given him, with a purple scarlet one and placing a homemade crown of thorns on his head. What kind of an adult male finds this activity entertaining? Well, these Roman soldiers had no stake in this controversy whatsoever. So why did they do what they did? Well, prophecy. That's right, prophecy. If you read Isaiah chapter 53, and I encourage you to go look at that passage, the account of the suffering of the Messiah had been written down centuries before. And all of what we read in these Matthew, Mark, and John accounts all of this was prophesied by Isaiah himself. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. 
Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.